everyone, and welcome in. This is We Were Gamers, episode number 225? I don't think we're that far. Are we 221? 221. 221. We got there. I am JJ, and with me today is... I'm Michael. Welcome back, friends. Yes. If you were sad to hear our dulcet tones last week, I have some bad news for you. If you were overjoyed, welcome back. <laughs> uh, Andy is still on assignment uh, in unreliable internet land, wherever that is. And uh, don't think he'll be popping in this week. So unfortunately, you get just us. But maybe that's fortunate because we have a surprising amount of stuff to talk about, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we do. It's kind hopefully, of been... uh, hopefully neither of us gets mysteriously cut off by the powers that be. Yeah, so I guess fair warning. I don't know what will happen to this recording if I suddenly lose power. I hope that it will be fine. And I don't know... <laughs> the uh, the lovely state that Michael and I are both in uh, has told us that either of us could be subject to rolling blackouts at any time without warning uh, here for the next few days. Uh, because it is very hot, and therefore turning off the power to people is the way they solve that somehow. Yep, not enough to go around, so they have to ration it. Yeah. I feel like there's probably a better way to do this, but you know what? I'm not, um, I guess I'm not a utility company, so, uh, yeah. This seems, anyway, so, uh, it leaves us subject to the potential of having our power turned off at any time. They did helpfully tell us that it would only last about an hour. Um, yeah. But I think if the power gets turned off on me, I'm not going to attempt to re-record this after that time. <laughs> so that would just be the end of it. We will just get a partial podcast and... Apologies to everyone. <laughs> um, but we're, we're banking on that not happening, and so here we are. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you have been up to much in the last week. I really haven't been. I kind of I mean... These days, no, we don't go anywhere or do anything because we're not allowed to. Um, but I've been at home a bunch. Have you uh, done anything in the past weekend and week that have gone by? I mean, I I, I read a, a satire piece last week that said that from here from here on out, all all days were now Mondays, and it felt uh, I felt seen. That's a little too real. I don't know if I. <laughs> don't know if i like that yeah Oof. so there's not a there has not been a lot going on uh fortunately yesterday to rescue us from some of the monotony summer games done quick came back yes yes uh i will say i've watched several uh runs so far being that i'm at home I have the luxury of being able to just, like, keep it on in the background much better than I would be if I was at the office. Yes. Uh, so instead of just, like, you know, finding out which runs I want to see and going back and checking the VODs later, I can actually watch the runs in a lot of cases or at least have them on. And if the runner is good, you know, make a note to go back and watch it later. I caught so a few. Yeah, I caught a few. I caught a few. Um uh, it is Monday as we record this, and by the time this goes up, there will have been many more good runs, probably, in between these two days. So 
we only really have a couple days to go on here, the the first day and Monday. Um, but I really enjoyed watching The Witcher 3. I didn't watch all of it because it was like two hours long. But for a speed run that's two hours long of like a big story game, usually they're like kind of incomprehensible because they clip out of bounds and do all this crazy stuff. Yep. He didn't really go out of bounds. There was only one case where he went out of bounds. It was early in the run, and they use it just to despawn an NPC, and then they go back. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it was pretty minimal. And the the thing I really, really liked about it was <laughs> just the the silliness that they get up to in that game. The, the, uh, the guy running it was one of the really good ones that uh, is able to talk while they're running the game. Yeah, those are always the best. So they have a person on commentary, but like the, I don't think the commentary guy could get a word in edgewise over this dude. <laughs> he was talking so much. But also, it was a lot of like him telling jokes about the stupid things he's making Geralt do. And like they had some, there's some glitch in that game in the version that he was running. And I don't understand it, how it works exactly, but it involves him using the crossbow or something. And somehow using that, he can basically turn Geralt into like super speed Geralt. He's like runs at like a hundred percent speed hmm. and, and like to the point where like him running now is way faster than the horse. It's way faster than any other weird like thing that would be going on in the game. And so he just like constantly gets out of the boats and swims, <laughs> jumps off the horse and runs. <laughs> it's just like, cause it's faster. <laughs> right. Um, and so he's like constantly making silly jokes about how like, you know, Sonic, I mean, Geralt has to go fast and mm -hmm. all this silly stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they, they were a lot of good, like toss a coin to your Witcher jokes as he's earning money and doing stuff. As it was, there should be. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. So I, I would encourage people to go watch that one. Uh, how about you? Did you see any good ones? Um, let's see. What, what have I caught so far? Uh, there was a good Rayman's Legends run. That was entertaining. Um, uh, a, a good part of what made that one fun was that it was being uh, they had a they had a virtual couch for it, and it was being emceed by Spike Vegeta, who was just super entertaining to listen to. Yeah, I like uh, that guy for any of the commentary that he does. Uh, so that one was a lot of fun. Uh, I caught one that a uh, little piece of one this morning that interested me called Micro Mages. I don't know if you've heard heard of this one. Mm -mm. But it was a—it's an NES game that was released um, last year or in 2018. But Whoa. the the group who coded the game did it in such a way that it's only 40k in terms of the space it takes up. So it could have been a launch day title for the NES. Oh wow! So it like it would have fit on a cartridge. Yeah, it would have fit on an NES cartridge. That's very cool, man. Yeah, and so it was it was cool to see the the retro throwback in as a new game in in the modern era of of games. Yeah, that's an interesting idea because like how do you make, you know, cuz we games and game design has changed so much since back then. What is a modern game but limited by the technology of like the NES look like? Right, exactly. Oh, that sounds cool, man! I, I super want to go check that out. Yeah, so it was a it was a platformer. It it reminded me a little bit of 
the NES style Mega Man, Castlevania. Okay. Yeah, those so were great games. So, um, What else did I see? Uh, I caught the end of Dandara, Trails of Fear, this afternoon. That was fun. Uh, and then I saw all of the Portal Run, which was supremely entertaining. Uh, this was also a glitchless run. So, oh, cool! A lot of the a lot of the portal runs that you see have all kinds of clipping out of bounds to get around things. This one required him to stay in bounds, and it was it was dizzying at times. I can imagine. Um, but it was it was really impressive to watch him do it, and he did the whole thing in like sixteen minutes. Whoa! I saw a portion of the Portal Two co-op run, and that was pretty cool. Um, Is a lot of like using one guy to get a thing to a very silly place, and then using the other person to partially grab that thing through a wall, or because the crate is traveling so fast, you can grab it through a wall even though you're not supposed to, right. or like put a portal in a place you could never survive, but because one person did it, then you can put the other end and like do all kinds of shenanigans. Um, I felt like the entire run was one guy doing a really hard jump and then dying, and the other guy using the fact that he was able to make the really hard jump to set up some other trick and like you know right. use the use the guy's death to leap them forward somehow and stuff it was a whole like it felt like a just like all right sacrificial pawn you go <laughs> and then the other guy you know tries to make a jump and then dies anyway and it was very funny nice um so yeah yeah that, that was a good one and then like the two guys had a lot of uh good stuff to talk about um you know Portal 2 and Portal 1 apparently. I should go back and watch that cuz that sounds cool. Yeah, it was it was really good. Uh and then I know that later on tonight are two run, two runs that will be of interest one to you, one to me. First up is Hollow Knight. Oh yeah, which is a, a no major glitches race, so that'll be fun. Oh, man. And then the first bonus game is right after that, which is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ooh man, okay. Ah, oh, I keep meaning to go back and play Ori in the Blind Forest, and then I want to play Will of the Wisps as well. Yeah, they're both uh, so good. Uh, all right, well, that man, there's going to be so much cool stuff coming up as well. People should uh, tune in and and toss some money that way. Uh, toss a coin to your Doctors Without Borders or whatever. Uh, yeah, so they're raising money for a great cause, like they always do. The summer ones are Doctors Without Borders. Uh, MSF. I will not terrify people with my horrible pronunciation of the French. That's that's Andy's gig. Yeah, we're not going to try that here. I also know no French whatsoever. So, uh, but yeah, so they're uh, they're just over two hundred k. So they're on a good pace. Nice. And it's like the it's like not even the second day is not even over. It's like like oh yeah, three we're, quarters we're of a day. Even, we're not even a day and a half in. Yeah. So that's a, they're doing all right there. Um. I will, uh, one funny story of while I was watching the Witcher, there was a bid war between, uh, one of the endings to that game involves saving a certain character. And then the other incentive against saving the character was saving the frames (laughs) (laughs) because it is faster to let the character die. Uh, and so the guy was like, 
all throughout the run he was like trying to hype it up he was like please let me save the frames i was five seconds off the world record yesterday like (laughs) i want to have a chance like it was pretty fun they they raised quite a bit of money for it um i won't spoil the end of what happened there but it was very very fun to listen to him uh have to eventually find the result of the bid war so um but that that's very cool uh should be entertaining all week uh so that should be good entertainment there yeah we'll we'll have a lot more to talk about next week once it's done yeah yeah i i anticipate watching quite a few more more than in previous years not just because i'm at home but like the schedule just looks good so yeah there's a lot of good stuff on there um oh and i I, another shout out to them because it's virtual a lot of people uh, a lot of the runners i was watching mentioned that they never would have been able to make it to an in-person gdq so it was cool that they got a chance to run it yeah yeah that is one uh you know silver lining to to doing this all online is that the expense of having to you know travel to the hotel where they're holding it suddenly becomes non a non-issue like this this witcher runner was like yeah i live in poland i can't (laughs) i can't fly to the u.s for that i can't justify it um so he was like yeah please that uh that was really cool that they would let him do that so uh he had good english too so very impressive um, but you know, that's not, uh, GDQ isn't the only thing I've been doing to occupy my downtime, Michael. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know, uh, I, I know for a fact that you are into Legos. Yes. Yes, I am. We have, we have discussed this much in the past. It has come up on this podcast several times, I believe. I don't know if we mentioned this one in particular. I know we've talked about it in our like group chats and stuff, but then I, I never remember if we talk about it on the podcasts. I don't think this has come up. Yeah, I don't think it has either. They're making a Lego NES. Yes, I have seen this. I not only have seen it, Michael, I have it. You, you've seen it. <laughs> I have seen in it in my hands. House. Yeah. Um. So it's a... Uh, the set is a, a Lego NES console... Uh, a controller, you build a Lego controller, Okay. You build a Lego game cartridge that goes in the console and you can physically put it in and push it down like you can with the old Nintendo games. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, that's very awesome. And then there is an old CRT 80s style TV that is uh, like, you know, connected to the, um, the nes i don't think it's physically connected but like it's part of the set sure yeah and the tv can be uh has an image on it from the mario brothers game and you can crank it on the side there's a little crank and the tv will advance like you're playing the game it's like you build a level and as you crank it the level will go by and mario will jump and and hit things and so forth oh that's that's super clever it's very clever. I don't know how much of the like playing aspect I'm going to do, but it is uh it is one of these like bigger Lego sets. I think it's almost 3000 pieces or something. Okay. So it's quite a few quite a few number of of pieces, but from what we've started putting together, I can already see like the bottom quarter of the NES, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the power button is on there. <laughs> The little ports for the plug to plug in the controllers on the front are on there. There's 
there are individual ports on the sides for like the red cable and the blue cable and the white cable for your your component audio and stuff yeah they did a very good job so i'm i'm super excited to be building that and it's like a a fun uh event that requires us to have no power (laughs) so that's uh convenient if that happens yeah always good if they shut that off on you yeah and so my wife and i have been spending like you know an hour a night or less even maybe uh go through a couple bags or until we decide we get bored uh just putting stuff together and it's fun man it is fun I'm, uh, <laughs> if it tells you anything that the NES, the game cartridge and the controller are bags one through eight, while the TV is bags nine through 21. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> the scale of so, these two here, <laughs> I, I gotta ask just as, as sort of an aside, if I don't know how much you, you built Legos as a kid. Oh yeah, tons, but man. how do you how do you feel about the this trend that they have now of numbered bags of pieces inside the Lego set? Because when we were kids, right. you'd get a Lego set and it was just a bucket of pieces, or it was like two bags, and one bag was the like three really big clear pieces that they didn't want to get scratched. Yep, and the other bag was every single other piece. Yeah, and so you learn to just, like, paw back and forth through a pile of pieces looking for the one tiny piece that was stuck underneath another piece. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that was, that was part of that frustration, and the, the search was part of building a set. Well, let me tell you, at least, um, so I built two really big sets. I built the Millennium Falcon set, which is, like, yep. almost 8,000 pieces, I think, 7,500, something like that. That, yeah, that, I, I think it's over eight. Is it? Okay, whatever it is, a lot. Uh, that was so big, my wife and I were building it together. It took us, it must have taken us like a month and a half or something, of like two months maybe. A long time. And you still had, like they divided it into bags. The bags were still huge. And it's You still like right. had pieces you couldn't find. You're like, I need the little... F- f- skinny flat two piece like two by one and it like where is it is it buried in this other giant pile of like tiny little doodads and bobs or whatever or is it over in the other pile with all these other similarly colored flat pieces but that are slightly bigger right um we haven't encountered that as much on this one because the pieces are generally smaller and it's like obviously like a less big thing overall but yeah i don't mm. I think in some cases, like these huge, huge sets would just be impossible if they didn't let you, if they didn't divide it up somehow, right? Yeah, because they, you know, it's 8,000 pieces in 25 bags, but that's still how many pieces in each bag? Right, and they're not divided evenly, too, to be fair. No. Like, <laughs> in some of them, it's like, uh, yeah, these are actually, like, there's like 50 pieces in this one. In this other bag, 300. <laughs> like, it's just, Sorry. Um, so I'm not sure how they, uh, like how they do that division, but it definitely, I certainly have big, good memories of like dumping a bunch of stuff on a table or on the floor as a kid. And then just being like, Oh no, did I lose the one button that I was needed to finish this spaceship or whatever? Yep. Although I then will then say like, I built the things in the instruction book played with them for like a week and then crashed them into each other and then started building my own stuff as a kid so sure as as you should do yeah um 
But as an adult, I'm obviously not trying to pick up the Millennium Falcon and fly it around my room. I imagine that would probably throw my back out. <laughs> Much less crash it into things. Oh, God, if you did that. It's so big. Have you seen, have you seen the uh, – this is this is a great video to watch, and it's, it's super appropriate to this. Um, the super slow motion video of the group that built the Super Star Destroyer Lego – and then drops it on like a tile floor point first. Oh no. Like they hold it several feet off the floor and then just drop it. And you can watch the thing shatter in super slow motion. Did they drop it intentionally? Like for the video? Yeah. yeah they, oh, okay. They okay, okay, okay. With the intention of filming this video. I thought for a minute you were telling me that like you could just watch the person die. Oh, like knock it <laughs> off the watch table. His, no. Watch his eye, the light go out of his eyes as he watches <laughs> his time be destroyed. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. I'm going to go look that up now because it sounds cool. It's it's really worth a watch. Oh, I should check that out. But so it has been a a fun time. Like my wife and I like to do these together, and we sit at the table and you know pull out a couple bags and work on them. Um, you know, it's like we. We trade off like one person grabs the pieces for this step and the other person assembles it and then you do the other way. And uh, it just depends on like how big the instruction booklet is and whether it's easy enough for two people to look at it, depending on where you are and all kinds of stuff. Right. So, yeah, it's been it's been fun, man. I you know putting together Legos is just like a very satisfying, like not terribly labor intensive, mind intensive task until you find out that like you screwed up and put one piece over by one and then you come back to it later and you're like this piece doesn't fit. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> what now? Or you, you realize that the, the one piece you need to keep going actually isn't in the box. Knock on wood. That has not happened to us yet. And I fear the day. I know Lego will make it right and get you the piece, but man, <laughs> it has, it has actually happened to me with each of the last two large sets that I have bought. Oh, Wow. It happened with the Millennium Falcon, and then before that, I had the uh, the Shield Helicarrier. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are uh, the Falcon is super huge. How did it's so, like? What was it just missing? Like one thing? Yeah, yeah. It was just one piece that was missing. the The Helicarrier it was kind of okay because it was just missing a piece from the. Um, the UCS, you know, the, all the UCS models for the most part come with that little black stand that you can use to display it on, and it's got right. the little information plaque. There was one piece missing from the stand. Oh, uh, okay. That's not so bad yeah. then. Yeah, the the Falcon, though, was missing a piece that I actually needed to continue building. That's much worse. It, yeah. It's a bummer, too, because, like, in that case, right, I, how long did it take them to get it to you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, not long. Like they're, they're pretty responsive. So they got it to me in a week, maybe two. Oh, okay. That's not so bad. So yeah, they, the, they publish the, all of the pieces by part number in the back of all the instruction manuals now. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you just go online and there's a form that you fill out for a missing piece. Oh, and so okay. you just look up, you look up your set number, you give the piece number, um, and your, you know, your contact details and they process it and send you the piece you're missing. Okay. I was worried you were going to say it took like a month or something. And I'm like, oh no, you have this giant thing sitting on a table somewhere for a month, just taking up space. Yeah. No, they're, they're pretty good about it. Okay. That's nice. Uh, 
um, yeah, knock on wood, that doesn't happen to us. Um, we've had good luck so far, but I guess we'll see. Uh, so that's been a good, nice, uh, you know, it was like a nice chill activity, you know, after dinner or whatever, just like hang out and build some Legos while we wind down from the day. We'll have to, uh, we'll post some pictures when you're done. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll put some up when I'm done. I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten quite like, you can almost sort of see it in the picture right now. Like if I took one, um, but it wouldn't be, it's not going to look cool until you get the full thing. So I will be sure to post some of those. Uh, what do we think? News or more game stuff? Uh, let's keep going with the game stuff. Keep going with the game stuff. All right. So, uh, Michael, I know you and I have both still been playing Final Fantasy XII. Yes. How's it going? I uh, it's going good. It's going good. I've been uh, I've been detouring for some things to to power my characters up a little bit because uh, this this game it it will note it's I think kind of notorious the original more so than the Zodiac age that we're playing, but I think it's notorious for you suddenly being under leveled. Yeah. I remember the original being really, really mean about that. Like there were a couple points where I just like, I just hated playing. And in one instance, I, I grinded up through it. And then the other one I was like, no. And then I stopped playing the game. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's, it does a good job of sort of like, of not gating you from anything, but also letting you know, hey, you're not supposed to be here yet. Well, I don't know if it does a good job, but it's the enemies certainly let you know when you get there that maybe sure, you yeah. should leave. Uh, they generally do a good job of not forcing you to stay there, though. Like, you can generally leave areas and teleport somewhere else uh, and, yeah. you know, do a side quest or grind some enemies or work on some license points or whatever. Yeah, so there uh, there are two things that that I I wanted to bring up. One of them one of them is is a kind of small gripe, and the other one is a I'll, I'll get your feelings on it. So we'll start with the gripe, which is I didn't realize how much I appreciate multi select menus until I started <laughs> playing this again. Word, because this game uh, I think I mentioned it last week. This game lets you buy all of the gambits all of the gambit conditions up Mm -hmm. front for the most part but you have to select and buy them from the shop one at a time and the sad part is they're cheap so you generally have the money it's like these are 50 gil man these other ones are like a hundred the the fancy even later once you get a little bit farther it unlocks a whole swath more and those are like 300 Ooh. Yeah, I have a hundred thousand sitting here. Like, what do you want me to do, man? Um, yeah, and you have to go in, you hit buy, it says okay, and you buy it, and then you have to go back in, you hit buy on the next one, and yeah, oh, and it, it is it, a hassle. If you think about it, it makes sense because in the in the original game, you found those a couple at a time throughout the story. So there was never a point where you were buying a ton of stuff from one place all at once. Right, you were in a shop that had a dozen items, and it right. was easy to scroll down the list and buy the couple of things that you want. Yeah, you would go to a gambit shop in a new city, and oh, it would have three new ones that you didn't have before, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's just man, it just let me let me give me the buy all button. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> it's all. I mean, at least you only have to do it the one time. 
Thank goodness they let you sell in quantities more than one. Yes. Yeah. And buying anything else you can do in quantities more than one. Yeah, if you want to buy like 15 swords or, you know, 100 potions or whatever, you can do that. Um, yeah, so uh, were, have you been exploring looking for espers? Uh, so I just have, I have the one, the first one that you get as part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, I haven't yet gone looking for more, although I think I'm getting close to the point of finding another one. So there, there are I've, definitely several that you don't have to get that are just like around in places you might go or maybe not. Yes. Yeah, there are a bunch. So at this point I am I'm backtracking into the Barheim passage. Okay. So there's a there's a side quest you can do. The Barheim passage is the one that collapses behind you after you escape from it when you beat the Mimic Queen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Early okay. in the game, so there is a there's a side quest you can do to get a key to let yourself back into it in a different spot, so uh-huh. that you can keep exploring. There's there's more of the mine basically that you can keep exploring. Cool. I don't remember if I did that or not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the exploration I guess sort of leads me into the next point, which is. How do you feel about RNG chests, JJ? I don't like them, Michael. <laughs> Not my favorite. So I'd, I, I meant to look this up, and I don't remember if 12 is the first game or if they did it in 10, but I think that 12 is the first and maybe only game where... Not only is there RNG whether or not the chests will appear, there is also RNG on what will be in them. Because in in Final Fantasy games in the past, you knew when you got to a chest in a that it was going to be there, A, and exactly what was going to be in it. Right. So I'm pretty sure 12 is the first one that did this, and I don't know if they have done it again since. Is I'm yeah, pretty sure it is universally loathed. Games. I've played 13 and I don't remember this from that. So, okay. Um, but, oh my God. Yes. It's the worst thing about this game because it makes the chests. Like I almost always ignore the chests now because I'm never like 80% of the time you go up to the chest. Here's 40 gill, man. Thanks. Yep. This is really worth my time to walk over here. Here's a pebble. Cool. Yeah, unfortunately, so there, there's, I guess, an unfortunately and a fortunately here. The unfortunately is that the all of the equipment that will sometimes randomly be in the chest is better than what you can buy at the that equivalent point in the game from shops. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's much easier to make make survivability easier if you can get good stuff out of chests. Um, but it's not always a guarantee. However, they did, I believe, for Zodiac Age, change the spawn mechanic in that for... In the original game, chests and enemies, I think, used to work the same way, which is that you had to go at least two screens away before they'd respawn. Now, with chests, at least, all you have to do is exit the area and come back to reset them. Oh, I don't think I knew that. I guess I just had yeah. not. I just never have tried to farm any chests in this game because they always just had forty gil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the in Zodiac Age, you only have to go one screen away and come back, and it'll reset the chance of a chest being there. 
Okay. Uh, but, you know, no guarantee you come back and the chest is there, right? It could just be gone again. Yes. What a hassle. Yeah. I, so you can, is... you can look up. Fortunately, the, the only thing that is consistent are all of the spawn and drop rates from the chest. So you can look those up for any given chest and decide whether or not it's worth your time. I'm just going to go with it not being worth my time. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to point out, and I think I don't remember if we mentioned this before or not, but have you been messing around with the trial mode? Uh, yes. So I have been messing around with the trial mode just a little bit. I think I've gotten, I've done a couple of runs just to see how far I can get into it. Mm -hmm. Because even, you know, even if you're not going into to farm, a certain enemy or look for a particular item just making a, a run even if it's uh, 10 or 15 levels into it can get you a whole lot of license points yeah there's tons of license points in there but i want to point out that in there there are tons of chests that have unique and rare loot yes and the enemies that you will face you can find enemies that you will not face normally until much later in the game Mm -hmm. some of which are not necessarily that hard to beat. And yes. some of the items you will find in there allow you to get better drops from certain enemies, along with ones that will let you steal better equipment from them. Yeah. So you can do stuff like so most enemies, it seems in this game, have both a like stealable item and then a rare stealable item. Mm -hmm. And because of the like better drop chance armlet or whatever it is i think that you get out of the the trial mode um they give it to you in the game at some point also but you can get it like the, the first level the, the thief's cuffs or the diamond armlet diamond armlet yeah uh the diamond armlet i think I, i'm not exactly clear how it works but it essentially like allows you access to the higher level rarities of stuff in a so lot of the, the diamond, tables the diamond armlet is a, a unique item it it changes the contents of the chest. So you have a very high chance of getting a knot of rust, which is basically a useless item that you can, you can throw at enemies for nominal damage. But there also is a small chance of getting a better rare item. And you can get these diamond armlets in like level one of the trial. Yep. Uh, you can get a bunch of them. <laughs> so... Uh, that's a good way to make money early on. Yes, as they sell for a lot of gill. Yes. Uh, and then you can use that money that you make early on to get uh, either the thief's cuffs or some other things that you can get as drops from some of these enemies. And you can get very, very powerful equipment as rare steals or rare uh, kills from some enemies in, like, level four and five of the trials. You can have swords that are, like, 90 attack power in, like, the first two hours of the game. <laughs> yes, which will see you through. A, it, you'll get outclassed somewhat quickly, but it'll it'll at least make for an easier ride for several hours. Yeah, you can really, really get some, like, really primo stuff in there. So I want to yeah. encourage folks that are uh, trying this out to <laughs> take a look at the trial mode yeah. and, like, mess and around the, in there. The the other good thing about it is the save mechanic is that it it auto saves after each level. 
And so if you if you know you want to steal something from a particular enemy, you can try and steal it. And if you don't get it, just duck out to the menu and duck back in and it'll reset the level. Mm-hmm. And it is... Uh, and you keep the license points back into your main game as well. So it is just really, really good. Um, tons of... Uh, you know, if you don't get all the way to the end of the trial, which I don't even know where the end is. It's like level 100 or something. Levels. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I think there's an achievement for 50, and there's another achievement for getting all 100 levels. That's crazy. But, yeah. uh, you know, even if you only get 10 levels in, you're going to come out with a whopping amount of license points. So you will be, uh, yeah, it's a good way to farm that stuff up. So if people are stuck, that's a great place to go. I don't think yeah. you get any gold or experience, though. It's only license points. Uh, license points and any items that you pick up, you keep. Okay, so you keep items, but no gold or right. or levels. Yeah, so I think the the farthest I've made it, I managed to make it to like twenty one, level twenty one. Uh, the biggest, actually, the biggest hurdle with uh, trial mode I have found in the early game and trying to do it is that you don't have a way to deal with all of the status effects yet. The status effects are ridiculous there are so, so many one, enemies just spamming stuff that you have no way to counter i had one run that was killed because they put my whole party to sleep oh. and there's, there's nothing you can do you just sit there as they wail on you yep the worst i've had ones where they uh an enemy that just like constantly casts stop yep and i didn't have the like i had an item that would stop that would remove stop but everyone was stopped and so i couldn't no one it. to use it yeah um, I think I eventually beat that level by having one person stand way far back manually. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's um, that's one way to do it. That's there's probably a better way to solve that, like some armlets or something that would prevent that. But oh well. Um, yeah. So that's been good. Uh, I have also been dipping my toes in another game, Michael. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been playing Monster Train. Okay. Not one I'm familiar with. Are you? Uh, have you played? the like slay the spire or any of those kind of games uh you know i have slay the spire sitting in my library and i have yet to fire it up but i'm uh, i'm familiar with the idea you should play slay the spire michael that game's really good i know you and andy are both big fans i uh, for folks who have never played these sort of games i'm going to use an analogy to a like board slash card game and hopefully people will understand that uh have you played dominion michael uh um, yes, yes, I believe I have played Dominion. Dominion is uh, a... I, have, I have definitely played Relic, which I believe is the basically the same. Uh, hmm, is it? Is it? No, I don't think so. No? I thought uh, they were based on the same system, but... Dominion continue. is a card-building, or a deck-building card game. Okay. Uh, so the... The, uh, I was trying to, because the Dominion, you start with a certain set of cards in your hand, and as you play them, you can purchase cards from the field and bring them into your deck, and then every time you run out, you shuffle up again, and you you know play new cards every turn, right? Sure, so okay. You, as the game goes on, your deck is getting bigger and bigger, so you have to constantly like balance like the types of cards that you're buying to make sure you still have the weight to buy new cards, but also cards that do things and cards that let you win, and, and all of those are separate things probably, right? Mm-hmm. So Slay the Spire and Monster Train are both similar in that they kind of have the concept of a deck of cards and you start with a certain small set of cards and you add new things to them over the course of the game. 
Okay. Uh, Slay the Spire kind of makes this into like a dungeon and you climb up this tower and you go to the top and you fight a boss. And then it starts over again at the next tower and you climb up, you know, fight another boss and the bosses get stronger. Gotcha. Monster Train is a lot less... Uh, I don't know how I should describe it. Like The combat in Monster Train involves so many more moving pieces than Slay the Spire, but there are less overall combat encounters, right? So you win this combat encounter, and then you move on to the next one, but there maybe are only like 20 until you get to the end of the train line, right? And fight the final okay. boss. It's actually, it's probably way less than that, actually. It's like 15 or something. So that doesn't seem like a lot, but every combat encounter has multiple waves of enemies and then a boss at the end of it. And the way Monster Train is laid out is you are on a train full of, like, demons riding through hell or something that has frozen over. And okay, okay. your goal is to escort the beating heart of your train to the center of hell so you can, like, restart the Great Flame or something. I like... Uh, so in this conceit you have all these like monsters and stuff at your command because you know you're the the evil guys and the guys you're fighting are angels um you know various like kind of messed up looking angels sure the the oldest conflict right yeah yeah the good versus evil um of things and this game also gives you a set of cards right and you draw some cards every turn but instead of uh where in Slay the Spire, your character is not really a card. In Monster Train, all the characters are cards. And so you will get, like, some characters in your hands, right? And then you can place them on the battlefield. And there are, like, options to place them in front of things or behind things or on various levels of your train. Your train has three levels, and then the the heart of the train is at the top. And the okay. monsters generally come in at the bottom, and then every turn they move up one, right? Sure. Yep. Until you kill them. And so that's kind of the flow of things. You want to put your monsters in a certain place and they have a, a round of battle and they fight. And then whoever's alive at the end, your guys stay put and their guys move up one. So do you want to like block at the top, but then you let them have two free rounds or do you want to try and like spread your guys out or how do you want to strategize all that way? There's a whole bunch of like different layers of this stuff. Okay. So do you, and then do, can you move your units forward like between waves? Maybe if you have a card that lets you do that, but they are okay. not generally allowed to move. Okay, so you place them, and that's where you are. Right. And there are cards that are like, move a unit down a level. Okay. Well, then it says a unit you could be using it on an enemy or on your own guys, right? Uh, and there yeah. are rules about like how many people you can have on a level. So it's like, oh, you can only fit this many guys. Uh, sometimes you have guys that spawn other guys. You have ones that will like eat little guys to power up and all there's all kinds of crazy effects. <laughs> um, but it comes down to your guys have a health and they have an attack. And at the end of every round at the, after you finished playing all your cards and you're ready to go, uh, you hit end turn and then the monsters will attack and then you will attack. Right. Okay. And so you always go second. The monsters go first, unless you have some like special ability that lets you go before them, the monsters attack first. So you have to think like, I can get this guy who has like 15 attack in one hit, but he has like three health. <laughs> so if a monster attacks Ooh. first, he is gonna die. So then right. what am I going to do here? Oh, well maybe I should get another guy who has like one attack, but 40 health. 
<laughs> and then, you know, put this guy in front of this guy and this guy behind and here we go. Now I have like a little, a little team. Well, that's great, but then they can only be on one floor. And so what do I do with the other guys, <laughs> you know? Um, and so then there's, you know, that this creates the whole, the push and pull of everything. And right. then, and then the bosses, uh, always have an ability that does something crazy to mess with you. Right. One has a, uh, he starts with a special ability that doesn't let him be targeted for like the first eight rounds. So he gets Ooh. to attack. You can't do anything. He gets to attack. You do nothing. He, he did attack. You do nothing. And then after him going eight times, finally, you get to start retaliating. Uh, some other ones have abilities where like every time you play a card, they get stronger or every time you play a card, they put a like junk card into your deck. Uh, and so there's a ton of like weird little intricate strategies. A and um, generally you can see before you go into these fights, if you hover over the fight, it'll kind of tell you like, hey, here's the boss and kind of like an idea of his special power. Uh, so you have like kind of a chance to figure it out. Okay, to tr try and strategize a little bit to ha to counteract what he's going to be doing. Right. And then in between battles, um, the train path generally forks in two directions. You can pick, like, one side or the other. And along okay. either path, there will be a bunch of stops that you can go to or not uh, that allow you to do things to your deck or your cards. So you can visit shops where you can earn money from the battles that you've won to spend on, like, I can make this card cost one less, or I can make this um, ability ten, uh, have more magic damage, or I can make this thing um, not discard when it's supposed to. It'll just go back into my draw pile, or I can make that when this person dies, he comes back in the next turn, or like there's a bunch of different powers and abilities you can find. So you can upgrade both your units, like the the cards, the, the cards of the units you can upgrade, and the spells and stuff in your deck. Okay. As well as buy more spells. Um, and there's even a place you can go that will literally just duplicate a card. It's like, take whatever card you have. Here's another one, including nice. all the buffs and stuff on it. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I made it so this guy attacks twice and he has like 45 health and he costs one less than he normally would. Now I have two of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it does a thing that I think Slay the Spire um, has tried to avoid just by like design in that Slay the Spire kind of wants you to build these like really tightly developed combos so that you can like get really crazy powerful things to happen, right? Yeah. In this game, you kind of can't build crazy powerful things to happen with a small amount of cards. You sort of have to like inject some stuff in before it will get crazy and overpowered. And it won't be crazy and overpowered until you get to the end and have done all these upgrades along the way, right? Okay. I mean, that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, so it's like you don't have to just get the right cards early on to win. You can kind of make a winning strategy out of what you have, but you know, you make you definitely want to be upgrading like the powerful things in your deck and removing the bad ones as opposed right. to you know, just upgrading whatever you have to try and make everything kind of okay. Um and then the the game has also a bunch of clans that are like factions of monsters or whatever and each one has like different abilities so you'll have this set of units if you pick this one you'll have a different set if you pick this other one uh and typically on your run you'll pick a main clan and then like an allied clan and so then you get okay. there's a lot of mixing and matching you can do there oh well i want to start with the like um green monster rock monsters here but then i want the weird wax people with them also 
or I want to do the like weird eating demons over here, but I also want the like magic demons with them. And then, you know, those combinations back and forth make a big difference as well. Cause you see different units, right? If you have them as the primary or the allied. Okay. So th there's a lot going on and the, because the levels are um, like the battles are so like intricate and stuff, even though you're facing the same enemies a lot of the time, it really feels like every time, like the strategy is completely different <laughs> because <laughs> like what the thing I did last time isn't going to work because I don't have that unit anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I had this one really great unit that every time it attacked next time it attacked, its attack was permanently one higher. Oh, and if you yeah, get it, sounds good. it sounds really good. Yeah. And you get it early on. And then by the time you get to the end, it attacks for like a hundred. <laughs> right. But if you get it late, this thing is like garbage and you're not going to get enough chances for it to attack to become good. And so even though that unit was like the best unit on my other run, if I get it now, it's like, I don't even want to look at that card. Yeah. Cause you're, you're just not going to have the time. Right. And so, you know, the, all these strategies change, you know, there are cards that, Every time a unit on its floor dies, it gets something, or this one increases its health every time it kills an enemy, or this one does, you know, and all, and so then you just sort of have to be like, it's a lot of like playing on your toes, you know, you just have to be like, well, I gotta, I gotta think on my feet here. What do I have? What's good? I don't know. What can I do? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And in that sense, it sounds kind of like dead cells. It is kind of, yeah. It's a similar way. And you're like, all right, well, what did they give me here? Like, uh, I guess I got this like weird bow and like, um, I don't know. <laughs> This hammer, I guess we're going with this. Yeah, gonna make, gonna have to make it work. Yeah, so I, I have been enjoying Monster Train. It is definitely one of those where then you'll you'll get to a thing and you're like, okay. Uh, it also is really good about telling you how much damage every enemy is going to take, whether your guys are going to die or live through the attacks, and like, so you can know before you hit and turn if your guys are going to die and win the fight, right? Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely useful. And so, or, or if the enemies are going to die, right? And so you yeah. get to that boss and you're like near the last round and you see that like, he's not going to die. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, what can I do here? <laughs> uh, I have this hand, well, you know, what, what sequence of plays can I do here to try and buy me one more turn against this guy's so that I have another chance. Right. Yep. You're like, oh, I can just extend a little bit more if I play this guy and sacrifice him. So he'll just get murdered. But then that might buy this other guy one more round of attacking and maybe that's enough, you know, um, these kind of things. So it's, it's been f super fun to like dive into and then just like play weird stuff. Uh, so I, I'm, I've been enjoying that off and on here. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, well, we should talk about some news though. Cause I think there's some news in with a little news here. Yeah. Let's, let's, we'll wrap it up with some news. I don't even, oh, Michael, what are they doing? Uh, they just, they want to keep what's theirs. JJ. Is it? They don't want to give anybody else a cut. We're going to talk about Fortnite. Yeah, which is ironic because Andy's not here. I know. But, yeah, so Fortnite entered into a little uh, a little controversy in the last week. Uh, let's be clear, Epic Games, uh, the developers yep. of Fortnite, are the ones who did this. And they did this to themselves pretty clearly intentionally, right? Yeah. Uh, they they initiated a way to buy uh, the in-game currency of that game. I don't know what it's called. Fortnite bucks or whatever. Sure. V-Bucks, maybe? Oh, that might be it. You can buy those in the iOS version of their game 
without going through Apple's payment system. Yeah, it's and it's not just uh, iOS. They did it on Android, too. And they did it on, um, I think, well, not quite everywhere, but certainly they did it on iOS and Android. And lo and behold, when you choose the option to buy through their payment system, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's not just, only that. It's straight up like guess, 20% off. Guess who doesn't get a cut? Yes. Uh, Apple and or Google. Yeah, and Turns so they're, out they're not big fans. And so there are policies on these app stores. Uh, both Apple and Google, my understanding is, take a cut of all transactions on the platform. And the cut, I believe, is standard. And I believe this is true throughout the games industry for all kinds of storefronts, that the cut is 30%. Yes, that's the same number that I heard. And it is, it's 30% on iOS, it's 30% on Android, it's 30% on Steam, it's 30% on whatever uh epic uh has been touting on their epic game store that their cut is less it's like uh 20 percent or 12 percent or something like this yeah it's a lot lower and that was that was one of the draws trying to get big name games onto their platform was as a developer you get to keep more of the money for what you've made and I, i have no idea how well that's working for them because they don't announce sales data but uh Apple and Google didn't take this very kindly, uh, and so they turned off the ability to get Fortnite from the App Store. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, my understanding is folks who already have it uh, can still get it. Like, if you already downloaded it, you can, like, re-download it or whatever. Um, but they are, uh, whenever Fortnite updates next, <laughs> you won't be able to update it anymore. And yeah. The, the latest thing I saw is that Apple is going to be revoking their developer accounts so that uh, Epic will not be able to develop for iOS anymore. Oops. Uh, and you can tell that this was all premeditated on Epic's side uh, because they filed lawsuit about 0.1 seconds after they were told the, st- the app had been taken down. Oh, yeah. So they knew. They'd queued up their legal team already. And, um, you know, I, I feel just like this is like a slap fight between billionaires, you know, like a, a really big billionaire in Apple and like a smaller billionaire in, in Epic. Um, so I just like, I kind of just want to say like, who cares? Like you guys go fight it out. This doesn't really affect me, but also I don't play Fortnite. So I'm sure I would be more angry about it if I did. Right. Sure. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't know. Man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. It's so hard to like, it probably would be good if people didn't have to pay these cuts to these platforms all the time. It's probably good, right? Sure. If, if we could get that number lowered to like 15% or something, that's probably good for every person that makes games on those platforms. Yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But at the same time, you're still getting, you know, 70% of a thing. And it's also the thing you agreed to when you agreed to be on there, Right. Right. So it's not like this is, should be a surprise to you. You read that paperwork when you signed up. I don't... Like You had to know this is what they were going to do. But I don't know, man. It's just like, I don't... <laughs> it's such like a weird, like, minute thing, but also like pretty big news because they're immediately going to go to court about it. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I. Is it possible that they both can lose and the judges can give all the money to the players somehow? 
That would be nice. That would be um, nice. But I, I feel like the the game would very quickly cease to exist at that point. Yeah, I just like I I can't root for either side in this debate because they're both wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a no matter who wins, even though there are positives for one side winning, it's probably not good that they did this right. Like if this is the way that they caused this to happen, that's probably bad. Yeah. Where's uh where's the your eat the rich judgment when you need it? Right. That's what I'm saying. And like notice they've been focusing very heavily on the iOS one because iOS is like a bit more locked down in terms of what you can do, right? Yep. Uh for a long time Fortnite was available off the App Store. You could just download like the files from Epic and install it and then you didn't have to give the cut to the Google Play, right? Like yeah, and I think one. I think for Android devices you still can you still can install it independently, uh, and I think actually that Google is involved in a, a lawsuit of their own uh, because when you install it independently and don't go through the App Store, you get a whole bunch of error messages thrown up about um, installing you know non vetted apps that could potentially mm. uh, harm your phone. And so they're being sued that it's unfair competitive practice. Yeah, it's like use our app store or else. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a similar idea to the one that they're leveling against Apple here, which is use our payment processor or else. Right. Um, yeah. I, I can't get too worked up about this, but I really just am like, let the billionaires go have their fight over there. We'll just, you know, tell me what happens if I get a discount on V bucks later or not. <laughs> Like that's the, yeah, I just can't. I just can't about this. Ugh. Well, if people want to tell us where they should send uh, their opinions about the various billionaires, uh, where could they do that, Michael? They can email us at wewergamers.com. dot com. And what is the uh, what's the email address there? Sorry, um, uh, podcast at wewergamers.com. dot com. Leaving off part of it there. Um, they can also find us on the social media. We are, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we are on Instagram. Uh, you can look us up on YouTube, go like, and subscribe some of the videos that we have on there. I believe you guys just released Mm -hmm. a new subspace transmission. Yes, sir. I believe there was one released this past week. Uh, we are still watching Star Trek discovery on there. So, you know, people can, uh, can check that out and follow along with us. Andy and I are in, are enjoying it, if not uh, liking it a ton. So, yeah, okay. yeah, check that out. Um, yeah, and subscribe on our YouTube and all the various podcast apps. We're on there. Yeah, yeah, check all those out. Those YouTubes, hit us up. Yeah, uh, we're on we're on Apple and and Google Podcasts. Uh, Google Podcasts, which is. No, sorry. Uh, Google Play Music is going away and becoming YouTube Music. I was going to say, I thought they they already moved their podcasts. But, you know, they get a, a 30% cut of the zero that we make. So Yeah, they can have that R30%. They, they're <laughs> welcome to it. If you want to give us the other 70%, though, <laughs> find, us on, take that. find us on all those platforms. Yeah. Um, we make no money from this podcast, just to be clear. Uh so thank you for joining us, everyone. Hopefully we'll have a full crew back next week. And if not, uh, you know, oh, well, at least we avoided the power outages. Yeah. How about that? Now time to go watch some Hollow Knight. 
Ooh, is that starting? Yes. It's already started. 